The Gospel According to Mark. Then Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre. He didn't want anyone to know which house he was staying in, but he couldn't keep it a secret. Right away, a woman who had heard about him came and fell at his feet. Her little girl was possessed by an evil spirit, and she begged him to cast out the demon from her daughter. Since she was a Gentile, born in Syrian Phoenicia, Jesus told her, First, I should feed the children, my own family, the Jews. It isn't right to take the food from the children and throw it to the dogs. She replied, that's true, Lord. But even the dogs under the table are allowed to eat the scraps from the children's plates. Good answer, he said. Now go home, for the demon has left your daughter. And when she arrived home, she found her little girl lying quietly in the bed, and the demon was gone. Jesus left Tyre and went up to Sidon before going back to the Sea of Galilee and the region of the Ten Towns. A deaf man with a speech impediment was brought to him, and the people begged Jesus to lay his hands on the man to heal him. Jesus led him away from the crowd so they could be alone. He put his fingers into the man's ear. Then spitting on his own fingers, he touched the man's tongue. Looking up to heaven, he sighed and said, Ephathah, which means, be opened. Instantly, the man could hear perfectly, and his tongue was free so he could speak plainly. Jesus told the crowd not to tell anyone but the more he told them not to, the more they spread the news. They were completely amazed and said again and again, everything he does is wonderful. He even makes the deaf to hear and gives speech to those who cannot speak. This is the gospel of our Lord. Thanks be to God. <clears throat> In Jesus' name, amen. I wonder what church was like the day they read the letter of James. Like most of the other letters in the New Testament, James wrote to a church that was in crisis. There were Jewish converts to Christianity within the church who were living under persecution. And so in order to not face that persecution, they were tempted to try to live just like everybody else in their community, just so they could fit in. They would claim to have a faith that, that would lead them to live a different kind of life, but their actions said otherwise. And one of the outcomes of this was the bigotry of class. Rich brothers and sisters in Christ were treating poor brothers and sisters in Christ very badly. Poor Christians without food and clothing 
were not being helped by those who were well-fed and well-dressed. And yet, in spite of that, the rich were being treated with pomp and circumstance. They were given preferential treatment in the assembly over the poor. Now, we don't know why this was happening, but we might guess that maybe some in the congregation were wanting to to sort of curry privilege or curry favor with the rich so they could work out some kind of business deal. Or maybe they were just trying to get the rich to give more money so they could meet their church budget. We don't know. But in any case, James made it clear that it was wrong. And it still is. Now it's important for us to recognize that James was not condemning the rich. Being rich was not the problem. Favoritism was the problem. People were being shown favor because they had means, and they were doing so at the expense of those who didn't. So imagine what must have gone on in the congregation that day as the letter was being read. People began to look around at each other to see who was sitting next to whom. Who was rubbing elbows with the rich and the important. The rich probably didn't take too kindly about being reminded how they had played the crowd. How they were so busy making life a lot harder for those who were working for them. I imagine that this was one of those services where most people just wished they had stayed home. Now, if we were to shortly paraphrase what James is saying, it might sound something like this. How can you claim to be a Christian and yet discriminate against other people? If you have the faith you claim, then show it by loving your neighbor and caring for others. Otherwise, your faith is dead. I think we could safely say that James was a man who called a spade a spade and did not cut any corners, even when he criticized his own church. And I'm certainly glad that nothing like that could ever happen in church today. Or could it? As much as we might want to believe that 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 message doesn't really apply to us, I wonder how hard we might have to swallow from time to time and admit that, yes, it probably does. As Christian people, as followers of Christ, do we merely duplicate the world's standards? 
for worth and value of a person in how we treat others? Do we give subtle messages that we want to use the culture's way of measuring people rather than Christ's way? You know, it's not hard for us to draw distinctions from one another. But the question is, why? And the point of all of this is to say, it is wrong, according to James. And according to an awful lot of other biblical passages, and most especially according to Jesus. But wait a second. In the gospel reading we had just a minute ago, didn't Jesus do the same thing? A woman, a woman who was Greek and therefore was a Gentile, came to Jesus asking him to help her by healing her daughter. But Jesus wants to get rid of her. He even called her a dog because she was not of the same religion, the same culture, the same race as him. And all of that meant that she was unclean to his people. Commentators are all over the board at what Jesus meant by saying that. Some even tried to explain it away. But regardless of that, Jesus certainly treated this woman as if she was from the wrong side of the track. Unclean. Not to be messed with. And yet, here is a woman who came back at Jesus with a little bit of humility and a whole lot of grit kind of has an attitude. I know you want to push me away, but I'm not going anywhere. Okay, feed the children by all means, but even dogs get a crumb every now and again. She won't give up. She stood up to him and told him that she was worthy of his attention to her and to her need. It's almost like she was saying to him, okay, so where is your good news for me? Why can't I have a seat at your table? I learned something this week that I hadn't known before. And that is, is that she is one of only two women who actually speak in the whole gospel of Mark. And so her words must have been pretty important. And I think they were. Because she changed Jesus. This story is important because, as writer Debbie Thomas says, Jesus shows us in real time and in the flesh 
what it means to grow as a child of God. Jesus embodied what it looks like to grow into a deeper and richer understanding of God's love. Maybe up to this point in his ministry, Jesus just really hadn't comprehended how vast and expansive God's kingdom really is. And so maybe this desperate woman pushes Jesus out of his comfort zone, stretches his vision of God's grace. Maybe she makes it clear to him, perhaps in an unwelcome and unexpected way, that there is room in God's kingdom for all, rich and poor, Jew and Gentile, male and female, Slave and free, as we hear in other places. There is room in God's kingdom even for her and her daughter. So if we put this story with what James teaches us today, what might we learn from the two together? What would it look like if we were to follow in Jesus' footsteps and do what he did to be challenged to hear what an outsider might teach us? How might our faith begin to come alive if we, like him, were to learn what only someone who doesn't look like us or speak like us or behave like us or worship like us, what they might teach us? about loving our neighbor as ourselves. Perhaps we might learn that by knowing others and loving others without distinction, we too might be changed. We might learn that when we expand our tables to include more and more people, we can see God's love in places that we used to think were unholy and unworthy. And this is such good news for us. Because God accepts us and forgives us and calls us without distinction because of the gift of Jesus Christ. It really doesn't matter who we are. It doesn't matter what we've been able to make of ourselves or how big a mess we have made of ourselves. It doesn't matter. We are loved. And it's very humbling to be loved like that. But I don't think God wants to humble me in order to make me feel guilty. Rather, I think God humbles me in order for me to learn how to rededicate my life to living into that love. And to do so by how I treat my brother and my sister. Or in other words, in James' words, how I do something and not just talk about it. 
The gospel reading today concluded with the story of Jesus healing a deaf man by saying the words, Be open. And one of the blessings of God's grace is that it opens us up to see where God's love can can be expressed and where we can see evidence of the power of that love, sometimes in very simple, but sometimes very moving ways. Writer Gordon McDonald offers this example. My wife Gail and I boarded an airplane for a long flight, and we were seated near the back of the plane. When we watched as a woman and two young children came down the aisle and took the seats right in front of us, followed by another woman who sat by the window, and we assumed that it was two young mothers traveling with their children. We hoped that the flight would be quiet. However, our prayers were not answered. The air was turbulent, and the children continued to cry about how their ears hurt. And I watched as the women tried to comfort these children and and keep them occupied. And I thought to myself, boy, these, these women really deserve a medal for what they are doing. But it went downhill from there. Right as we prepared to land, the child in the middle seat got sick. And in very short order, I could tell that this child was losing stuff from every part of its body. The diaper was not well attached, and the stench began to rise in the cabin. It was one of the most repulsive things I have ever seen. It was unbearable. Mess was everywhere, including on the women's clothes. And the woman next to the window carefully tried to clean up the child and and take care of a very bad situation. It was horrible. When the plane finally landed and we were taxiing toward the gate, everyone was preparing to get off the plane as soon as they could. And the flight attendant came up with a roll of paper towels and handed it next to the woman next to the window and said, here, these are for you and your child. And the woman said, this is not my child. The attendant said, aren't you traveling together? And the woman said, I have never seen this woman or these children in my life. McDonald continues, a lot of us would have died in that situation. We were so angry at the woman and her child, only it wasn't hers. And suddenly... I was humbled because I realized I had just seen someone giving mercy and love without distinction just as God has done for me in Jesus' name.